Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Up next on The Overnight Crowd, we're calling up the talents of Alex Catalano from the Inner Sanctum to talk round four of AFLW action. G'day, Alex. G'day, Hita. Good to be back chatting footy again. Thanks for the time once again, mate. Uh, before we get to the action on field, we had the much-anticipated clash of the Saints v. the Eagles postponed due to COVID cases. Are there any update on the two sides there? Um, well, look, there hasn't been too much out of either camp. I believe the Eagles are mostly out of isolation today. I was sort of perusing the socials because the clubs like to be very, very tight-lipped and it looked like a bunch of the Eagles girls are out and about. So I think they should be right for their upcoming fixtures and presumably at some point this week we'll get a makeup fixture as well. I did hear a little bit uh, along the lines that uh, Sandringham are preparing to host an AFLW game, so we might see... Uh, some fixture shifts across this weekend. I'm not too sure at this stage, but we'll keep our eyes peeled. Uh, yeah, so I was going to ask about the, the expectations of the teams being able to play uh, this week or more postponements or disruption. Uh, the Pies, the Eagles clash, it was originally listed for Tuesday. That's gone back to its round six spot, which it originally was in, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. So we're still not 100% certain what's going to be happening with the, the Dockers and the Eagles. Like, obviously, the, the point was to try and get a few of those fixtures out of the way before um, anything in terms of returning home or anything like that. But now we're still even more uncertain on the borders. I believe of their last update, they are still supposed to return home. So I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. Um, but we'll, we'll see if we get any updates across this week, assumably so, given that there are fixtures for both of them uh, in Melbourne across the next couple of rounds. And the Dockers are even headed to Hobart this weekend. <laughs> and uh, we'll start with those Dockers in Thursday night football. The first of uh, two undefeated uh, clashes or you know, with four teams uh, undefeated battling it out across the two matches, the Pies hosting the Dockers. The Dockers locking the Pies down and then running away in the last quarter for a super impressive 31-point win. We're talking very highly of your girls every single week, Peter, and it's not an easy task to do to go to Vic Park and hold Collingwood to just one goal. Um, it's uh, definitely a fortress there for them. They love to pack their supporters in, but credit to your girls. What a game. Um, after, I guess, that, that last quarter really, really broke open um, and sort of weathered the storm. We know how strong Collingwood's defence is, and they did keep them to two goals, seven to three-quarter time, but... It's, there's just too much class in that midfield and that forward line, really all across the ground, still doing it without the likes of Janelle Cuthbertson. I don't know if you saw today, Hater, a bit of an update on her, but she's got a full broken jaw. She's got a huge uh, black eye going on, so it looks like for the time being, I think probably until late, late in the season, she's going to be unavailable. But they did it without her. They're just that strong. Uh, the Dockers are back into their work on Tuesday versus the Bulldogs. Uh, it feels like this group, for as good as they've been in the previous years, are looking ready to take that next step. 
Well, yeah, I've got a little bit of an article in the works, I think, about um, this group. But it's seriously that that unfinished business is the, the word that's been used, and Trent Cooper loves to loves to talk about it, and the girls love to talk about it. But this is 2020 Fremantle back as we know them. Um, obviously, on the edge of the top six last year and getting knocked out in the first week of finals. Um, probably let themselves down a little bit with that late round uh, loss to North Melbourne, which cost them a higher spot in the sticks. But this team seriously could go undefeated for the rest of the season. To do it in the circumstances they are doing it at the moment is is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's being uh, viewed that way, especially from the West Coast. So we're uh, yeah, super impressed uh, as we were with the Giants. A twenty-one point win over the Bulldogs. They ran out of the gates pretty fast and hot in that first half. The Dogs with their chances to pull it back but they finished with an inaccurate 210 to go down to the Giants. They needed a big win here, the Giants, after a really poor showing against North Melbourne, and they definitely delivered with senior heads out of the side as well with uh, COVID protocols. It was kind of the the show for the youngsters to stand up, and and they did. Uh, We saw some really, really strange moments, like Nicola Barr, I'm sure we've heard this story repeated all week, but Hmm. 33 games without a goal, comes into her 34th up in the forward line, and she kicks three. Like That's just stuff of miracles, really. It's the kind of thing they needed to happen uh, to get a win on the board here. Louise Stevenson, she's normally... Uh, lining up at centre-half back. She kicked two goals for them as well, and they had contributors all across the ground with the youngsters, as I mentioned. Ellie Morfitt's looking really solid as the backup ruck to Erin McKinnon. Emily Peace, she's only playing in one of her first few games as well. Cassidy Simmons, too. Um, and Jazzy Grierson came in for a first game for the, the Giants for the year as well, and they all certainly didn't look off the pace. It's going to be uh, maybe a little bit of a, ment- a momentum shift here for the Giants after that uh, patchy start to the season. Fingers crossed. And, uh, yeah, patchy for other reasons. The Bulldogs, they've been held up in the run for the season due to COVID. They had to back up uh, matches after matches. Another four-day break leads them into the Dockers game on Tuesday. And Dogs coach Nathan Burke not that stoked with a lot of the AFL's decision-making after the game. Yeah, I can understand. They did set out these protocols before the season started for these exact reasons, and it's a minimum four-day break, and really they've got to go along with what everyone else is doing as well. I can understand the frustrations when they are playing in 30-plus degree heat every game, and you know it's hard on their bodies, but everybody's got to deal with the same thing. So um, it's going to be tough for them, but they can bounce back. And I think as well we saw the effects of the, the COVID break in some of the players' Ellie Blackburn probably had one of her quietest performances um, that she's had for maybe the past two seasons where she was only kept to the the 12 touches. But they had other contributors stepping up here and there. It's going to take a lot more if they want to get back on the winner's list against your mob here. Uh, And for the first time this season, the Demons have gone missing uh, with the match. Being on the Crows' term for the majority before three goals uh, added to the scoreline by the Ds when the game was done. 14 points too good for the Crows. Yeah, comprehensive again across all areas of the ground by Adelaide, uh, I think it was really led from the front. We saw, like I said, the Giants. It was the youngsters for the Crows. It was the veterans um, that were were standing up in this game. None more than Erin Phillips. She's back on top of the goal-kicking tally ahead of Darcy Vessio. Uh, She leads, I believe, by just the one because Vessio did get on the scoreboard uh, as well in that game uh, against North Melbourne. But she's just an absolute phenomenal player to watch. Like, you, you count her out, but she's still just one of the best in the league, and she's proving it. Uh, she was fantastic last week, fantastic again this week, and she led them, led them from the front in this one. 
Any concerns for the Demons who have been, you know, so impressive so far this season that maybe when they face a team with a bit more reinforcement pressure-wise that uh, Melbourne can fade out a little bit? Yeah, it, it is interesting with the Dees. I didn't think they looked too, like, they had their moments where they looked pretty flat. They were still kind of bringing that pressure around the contest that they they are known for. They didn't really get smashed too hard uh, clearances was only minus three, but the big issue for them was their back line stopping those clearances when they came in. They uh, were down 23 inside 50, so the Crows are just creating those scoring opportunities over and over again, which if you keep doing, it's going to result in scoring. So I thought their back line was okay for the most part, but clearly it wasn't quite working as a unit. When you've got that manic pressure from the Crows running forward, it's forcing a lot of turnovers. Um, and just like a couple of players that... Uh, were a bit quiet for the dogs. It was similar for the D's. Eden Zanker only the seven touches, really uncharacteristic for her. Shelley Scott couldn't find her hands on it up forward either. Lily Mitson, the 11 touches, she was fairly quiet. So there's a lot to think of for the D's uh, coming into next week, but I think they're definitely around the mark still. We talk week after week about how brave the Cats have been in their honourable losses so far this season. And, oh, no, we have to add another. Their closest margin so far this year, a two-point loss to the Lions. They even kicked more goals than the Lions. So there's a moral victory there, just looking for anything to take. Yeah, it was hard, really, really hard to watch them go down. Until the last seconds, they looked like they were a chance of getting it done Geelong. But they are showing that game style every single week, that really team-first defensive mentality. They're seventh in the competition for tackles. They're one of the hardest-running and pressure teams. that They've forced basically every single side they've played against um, into, for a bit of statistics here, for your heater to, to play <laughs> kicking and handballing below their typical disposal efficiency. So that pressure game that they're trying to, to add is really working um, so I think Dan Loth has got them playing a really good style. When you come within two points of the reigning premiers, you're definitely doing something right, and they've got real ample opportunity uh, against West Coast at home on a Friday night here. Yeah, speaking on that, uh, the Geelong defence held up under constant pressure all day. They made the Lions unable to capitalise on their inside 50 dominance. Just a great example of application to task and the desperation to try and get the win and playing for the jumper a bit. Well, that's it. And their whole back line's really stood up quite strongly from, from start to finish this year. Gabby Featherston, she was quiet again, but she's really starting to get into that one-on-one work. And for for an 18-year-old who's really only just learning her craft, she's starting to show those really strong glimpses. Maddie Carrick's been the picture of consistency so far this year, um, as has Maddie McMahon. She's slowly turning herself into one of the best rebounding defenders in the competition. So I can see the pieces in this cat side, and I can see the pieces in a lot of these sides that aren't just putting these wins together, that there's going to be that breakthrough game, and I think it is this weekend for Geelong. All right, fingers crossed. Uh, big win for the Kangaroos. Progressively kicking away all day versus the Blues to win by 30 points. Just too many good players in too many good areas for the Roos. Yeah, I think they're getting slept on a little bit at the moment, North Melbourne. They are sitting on three wins and one loss, and they've got a nice little chance uh, in Tassie this weekend, Heater, against the Dockers. So I think they'll be looking forward to that. They still haven't lost a game in Tassie, um, and, and their midfield is looking like one of the best in the league at the moment. When you have Ash Riddell in the form she's in, Jenna Bruton racking up the touches everywhere she can, and even Mia King is really, really putting together such a consistent season. She's got the Rising Star nomination already. She had 25 touches 
this week. She's turning herself into a really strong in and under player. I didn't think North Melbourne could possibly have more reinforcements through the middle, but they do. They found another one in her. So it's a scary, scary midfield to come up against. Uh, any concerns for the Blues? Uh, I feel like maybe I get sucked into the hype around the men's and the women's teams at Carlton, but you know, well-supported team. It feels like a good list in both uh, AFL men's and AFL women's. We are, of course, talking about the AFL women's here, but mm. where's the where's the efforts on fit? Where are the you know results? I guess is what I'm looking for. Yeah, I think my concern for the Blues throughout this whole season has been on some of the veterans in this side. It is a very very young team at the moment, and I can't fault the youngsters for for doing everything they can. But there's a few that have week to week really not. Uh, to me, shared the load. Jess Del Poss, who came in from the Giants this year, really hasn't kicked on all too well uh, to start her career at Carlton, which, you know, they were probably hoping, um, given they had a lot of players exiting, that, that one of the ones they did bring in would actually be able to um, add a bit of impact. But I think she's been fairly flat off halfback so far to start this year. She was all right against Geelong. She had 13 touches, but overall she's been really, really down on her averages um, all around. Karen Harrington's been battling down in the back line. She's been fantastic, but they would have really hoped they had Gab Pound in again uh, for this game. They really, really struggle to get their ball movement out of the back line without her. Nat Plain, another one of those defenders that's kind of let me down pretty much uh, to start this whole season. And Darcy Vessier, only their first goal of the season this week. You know, when you've got a star forward like yeah. that here, you need them to be getting on the scoreboard. And Darcy's now let Aaron overtake them in the uh, goal-kicking tally, so there's definitely going to be a bit of fire in their belly for the weeks to come. <laughs> the uh, Suns continue to rise. Sorry, uh, with a comeback, uh, the win uh, past the Tigers uh, take the points uh, by f- uh, they take the win by five points, I should say. But with this win, the Suns head into their next game versus the Demons, chasing three wins in a row. This is exciting stuff. Yeah, they're looking really, really nice, the Suns. And I was really impressed by, once again, the fact they were able to hold on in a tight last quarter uh, and actually get the win. That's two weeks in a row now that they've come from behind uh, to, to snag a victory. They were pretty in control, I thought, in that last term. Kicked the two goals to the Tigers, none. Um, so it, it's a really good sign for a team that is still so young. And you look at who is once again stepping up, Tara Bohana. I went on about it uh, a couple of weeks ago. They didn't play last week to the Suns. And another two goals for her. Um, you look at the likes of Sarah Perkins, who she struggled a bit at times last year. She had her injury concerns late in the season, but she's forming an awesome partnership. And Ali Drennan as well. You've got those veteran heads in the midfield, and it's so good to see them uh, just picking up the slack. And 27 touches, five tackles really speaks for itself. So I'm big on what the Suns are doing at the moment. And I would, mm. if I'm the Demons, I'd be very, very nervous. Uh, of them this weekend, that's for sure. Yeah, well, they will uh, need to bounce back, that's for sure. And uh, just before we uh, finish up on the matches from round four, Richmond coach uh, Ryan Ferguson after the match making comments about maybe the lack of resilience in his group, saying the improvement, sticking to the process is all coming along and it's there, but not quite getting over the line and getting those results. It's a hard one because they've played against some really good sides the past few weeks, the Tigers. We probably weren't expecting victories against Melbourne and Fremantle. Um, and I think that free-flowing style they're playing, it, it works both to their advantage and to their opponent's advantage. So I can see why we would see that disappointment from Ferguson. They probably needed to work a bit harder defensively this game. Uh, their tackles inside 50 were really, really low. They couldn't really find those marks inside uh, when they were moving forward as well. That's definitely to do with the likes of course 
Courtney Wakefield not being there. They're having to do a bit of makeshift swapping around with Sarah Darcy. She's got even more on her plate without Harriet Cordner. So it might just be a case of the fact that they're losing these reinforcements and they might struggle for the next few weeks here, the Tigers. They've got a good chance against the Doggies, but it doesn't get any easier from there with North Melbourne the week after that. All right, let's uh, look forward to what well, the round sort of continues on, I guess, with uh, the Western Bulldogs match uh, versus Fremantle being pulled to Tuesday. So from 4.10pm on your Tuesday afternoons around Australia, or oh, that is Australian Eastern Daylight Time, you can catch the Western Bulldogs and the Fremantle Dockers uh, getting into their second game. And yeah, four, well, they need the minimum four days break, as you said there, Alex. So any hope for the Bulldogs in this one? We did talk about how they've sort of been slow to get back into their work again, some uh, recoveries from COVID still. And on the other hand, we've just been giving all the bouquets to the Dockers. So how are you feeling about this match? Yeah, it's, it is going to be a hard one for the Doggies. They've had to make a few changes just in the interest of, of management. A few of their younger players in Amanda Ling through the midfield and Nell Morris-Dalton up forward, both coming out of the side. Uh, to the equally inexperienced Jemima Woods for her debut, uh, she's a great story. She was signed before the, the start of the season as a replacement player and great to see her getting a chance. Uh, nice and early. And Elizabeth Snell comes back in too, which should be good for their pressure. But a few of the players who were probably a bit down on the weekend uh, will have to find some form really, really quickly um, in this one. It's going to be a hard task. And you look at, conversely, for the Dockers, uh, some great players coming back in. Similarly, players being managed. Anya Tai, who's been on a brilliant patch of form. Uh, she makes way. Kyra Antonio, Dana East, all these players looking fantastic. But when you've got the likes of Tia Toss coming back in, Bianca Webb, Matilda Sargent, and then the debutante, Amy Franklin as well. So excited to see her get a run up forward. Uh, They're two sides that are going to look very different, I think, to their previous games. But when you take in the quality that the Dockers still have in, I think it will be another win staying undefeated. Boy, here we go. And uh, well, (laughs) last week with the Eagles uh, and the Saints clash being uh, called off, we uh, lost that opportunity to see one of those teams uh, get their first win for the year. But luckily we get it back on Friday night with Geelong taking on the West Coast Eagles. Geelong we've talked about with the honourable losses. I'm sure they're sick of that sort of stuff and they're ready to uh, take their first win here against the Eagles on Friday night. Yeah, as I said, it's going to be, I think this is their best chance for a win to start their season here at Geelong with the form the Eagles have been on coming off this uh, odd break for them. I think the Cats will, will have it in this one in front of a very parochial Geelong crowd. I got down there a little bit ago, Peter, and I tell you what, they are right behind their women's team, the Cats. They definitely don't slouch in Geelong, so they're going to make it hard for the Eagles at home here. Yeah, well, uh, fingers crossed uh, either way for uh, one of the teams to get that first W of the year as the Saints will be chasing, but they run into a uh, pretty solid unit in the GWS Giants who I feel like I was surprised they weren't in the top six, to be honest, and uh, they have had two wins so far this season. I'd be tipping the uh, Giants in this, but the Saints looking for that first W, anything can happen. Yeah, it's a hard trip up to Henson Park. They welcome the Bulldogs up there very nicely. And I think given the form they showed in this game, if they can maintain that consistency, uh, I think it'll go the way of the Giants. It'll be interesting to see what Alan McConnell does do with his team selection here. Does he stick with that spark that the youngsters provided? Does he bring back his veterans who are coming off their isolation period? Uh, it will only Time will only tell when we get the teams. But uh, either way, I think the Giants will have it in this one. A uh, top six clash uh, with the Lions taking on the Pies. The Pies will be dying to uh, jump back a little bit this week after uh, the 31-point loss on their home turf versus the Dockers last week. The Lions just getting past the Cats. So, whoo, I'm not too sure which way to lean in this one. 
Yeah, this is a hard one, and it's going to be very, very tense with the prelim final rematch last year. Uh, also up in Queensland, the Pies lost by under a goal in this fixture last year, so they're going to be uh, very, very hungry, I think. And looking at the way these two teams match up, the Pies like to play that very defence heavy style. We know the Lions have got a really strong midfield group and even without, oh sorry, Dakota Davidson came back in so their forward line's basically back at full strength. That'll be a fantastic matchup between two really strong groups. So I think the style the the Pies play this week, looking at how Geelong, how Brisbane responded to Geelong's game style, I think the Pies will get it done. It'll be a very much a grind of a game right to the end. Look forward to that. And uh, the Bulldogs, it feels weird to uh, sort of preview a team twice within a round, but here we are. (laughs) They take on Richmond. Uh, We said the comments from Richmond's coach before, so you know that they've got everything working uh, when they're at training and before they get onto the ground, but, you know, some of the processes out there aren't exactly uh, converting into wins just yet, so that might be just around the corner. The Bulldogs, with so many games in a row, hopefully they can find their feet and get on a bit of a roll, but I think the Tigers just favourites in this one. Yeah, I think I'll back the Tigers in here too. Witten Oval's a, another ground that the Dogs like to very much make their own, but um, with the, the players that they still do have likely going to be rested, it's going to be a bit of a shuffling around. They're not really going to be putting the same side on the park until they do get these games out of the way, the Bulldogs. So I think just for consistency's sake, the Tigers will get it done. So Sunday, and you said it uh, earlier, this match down in Tasmania, the North, Can- uh, North Melbourne Kangaroos with a big chance with uh, the form that they're in to take a massive scalp in the unbeaten Fremantle Dockers here. So I think I'm a little bit worried about this one, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the Dockers in Tasmania do not mix. Uh, the AFLW side hopefully hasn't uh, caught on with some of the bad juju that the AFL men's side has down there. So I'm sort of leaning towards the Kangaroos. I'll try not to look at this too superstitiously, Peter, but similarly, yeah, with their undefeated record in Tassie, it doesn't vote well. Um, But given the players that are going to be getting a rest uh, in tomorrow night's fixture, they should be back to fairly full-strength Frio. And I think a full-strength Frio side at the moment is the hardest task in the ASLW. So I'll back the Dockers in again to hand North their first loss in Tassie. Look forward to it. Uh, The Blues versus the Crows. The Blues, uh, as we said, uh, you know, just... Well, that, as I said, I guess, uh, with the, the problems I'm seeing uh, with Carlton at the moment, they take on a very tough team in Adelaide who feel like they are pretty good and are only getting better. So up against it, Carlton here, I think the Crows will take this one. Yeah, similarly, I think um, they've got them covered across all areas of the ground unless something changes very quickly for Carlton. So Adelaide for me too. And finally, to ra- uh, close out round five, the Melbourne Demons host the Gold Coast Suns. So the Demons will be looking to bounce back. Gold Coast on a bit of a roll here, looking for that third win in a row, as we said. I'm open to it. I'm open for the Suns to take this one. I would like to see it here. <laughs> I think they're, they're one of the firecrackers of the competition. I've called Richmond the, the entertainers of the bunch, but Gold Coast are very, very quickly catching up on that as well. But no one likes travelling to Casey Field. It's a very, very hard ground to play, considering how few games all these teams do play against each other as well. It's such a rough travel. Uh, and Melbourne know the ground better than anyone. So back the D's in at their home ground here. And just on the way out, Alex, uh, a couple of uh, other pieces of, uh, of uh, AFLW news of note. Um, the West Coast CEO, Trevor Nisbet, has uh, sort of apologised and said that they you know, made the wrong move as far as uh, what they did with the pride jumper and also the comments afterwards. Is it a little bit too little too late for uh, a statement or you know, an apology now? 
Yeah, look, I think looking at sort of the reaction that they got to it, um, the fans have reacted, both AFLW fans, West Coast fans, um, fans within the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, it's clear that they feel let down and, you know, Pride Round is a round that's pretty much entirely about including people and making them feel welcome and safe in the community. So from that aspect, uh, I think you can see why the, the approach and the, the backlash was quite as heavy as it was. Um, I think if they bounce back and get involved next year and make a concerted effort, you'd think there'd be a little bit more good faith put their way. But, um, yeah, it was not the, the greatest week uh, in the West Coast Eagles' life, that's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Uh, we've talked about, of course, uh, knee injuries within the AFLW. Um, sometimes it, yeah, I don't like, you know, sort of always turning over the same issue, but uh, just going past the news of uh, Gally, uh, Gabby Collingwood's uh, news being confirmed that she has ruptured her right ACL and MCL as part of the uh, Brisbane Lions team. So they've themselves have had, had two pretty massive knee injuries to start the year. Yeah, you've got a feel for, for Collingwood on return for her first game uh, as well since 2020. Like, she's had one of the worst runs of any player in the AFLW. So yeah, I, I think we're going to see a bit of a shift, I think, after this season. You know, last year it was a very highly talked about topic, and this year it's only gotten worse. Harriet Cordner, as well, as I mentioned before, also doing the ACL. Um, it's It's a hard one because... You look into the factors that created, and obviously the hot weather's uh, definitely one part of it. The fact that these players are only really training fully for half of the year, their bodies aren't getting as used to the game as the the fully professional men's competition allows their players to. So um, we're going to see next year, 18 teams are in. There's going to be that little bit of an extra push to make everything, I guess, as up to snuff as it can be. Because, yeah, it's, you've got to wonder at what point you're putting the players in danger, but it's something that really needs to be built up with a whole lot of framework and a whole lot of changing to the contract structure and all that kind of thing. So it's such a big issue, and I, and I hate that it has to be brought up so often with how many players do go down. But, yeah, it's something that's for the interest of the safety of the players really does need to be looked at. Alex, thank you so much for the time once again, mate. Uh, we'll continue to follow your work at the Inner Sanctum. Appreciate it, Hita. Always happy to chat footy with you, mate. That's Alex Catalano from the Inner Sanctum joining us on the Overnight Crowd to uh, review AFLW Round 4 action and uh, look ahead to Round 5 as well as it, well, either Round 4 hasn't quite finished yet or Round 5 already starts on Tuesday because we have a clash coming up for your Tuesday afternoon, as we said. 4.10pm ADT, the Western Bulldogs take on the Fremantle Dockers who are unbeaten at the moment in the AFLW competition. This is the Overnight Crowd, 0433981116. It's lovely to have you here with us. Paul Heath, behind the wheel we'll be right back on the overnight crowd just after this when making the double chicken deluxe at macca's we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender aussie chicken with cheese tomato and aioli so we doubled it chicken and macca's together and loving it Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. available after 10 30 a.m for a limited time only